wait, hold up. We've done this before. Let's try something new. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today is November 2nd, 2020. My name is Bill, and I'm joined here today with Steve. Hello. So, where's Connor at today? Um, I know, I remember he went to Wisconsin. Uh, apparently there was a issue with cheese. Oh, shit. Yeah, he got all the way back. It was shredded. He didn't want shredded. <laughs> Uh, he wanted like a whole block. Yeah. He was planning a, like a cheese and wine party. And oh, cheese. shit. Yeah, so he got this shredded cheese. He said he was going to go back. Um, and that was the last I heard of. I always saw Connor as like the, uh, as like the IPA and fucking Ritz crackers kind of guy. Well, apparently he was hosting this party. Oh. And they called for wine and cheese. And since he's a cheese guy, he stepped up and was like, listen, you guys can go to ShopRite. You know, you could go to the Amish market even, but I have a guy. He has a cheese guy, apparently, out in Wisconsin, <laughs> and they beat him. They, they gave him shredded. <laughs> right. So, obviously, since we last released, which has been a few weeks now, uh want to talk about this for a second, the tragic passing of Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Uh, we all know, very near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Um, just want to give, you know, quick little moment here to, you know, we're thinking about you. And for me personally... um, this is what tends to happen with me with artists that pass away. I'll always like, like Van Halen particularly, like I always listen to most of their songs just because of radio, just because it's yeah. just, it's a well, like it was force fed, but I actually sat down and like went back and really listened, especially to Van Halen two, uh, women and children first and fair warning. Fair warning is a good album. Women and children first. Almost edges all of them just because I thought like Romeo Delight is just like yeah. that's one of those first Van Halen songs where it's like I knew like they're popular songs and I heard that one. I'm like, how yeah, do you just like, not oh, get shit. as much credit as like <laughs> Panama? Because that riff is fucking awesome. And even funny too, because on that album they had everybody once. That's what I'm saying. And, and like, like that song's not bad. Yeah, that but- was another like radio hit, which is cool because like that's another thing with Van Halen. It's almost like Fleetwood Mac. You put on one of their albums and then you hear one of those standout tracks exactly. and that helps blend and get you into the rest of it. Um, but Van Halen two of all those DOA is my favorite. Van Halen two is just like unbelievable. Like that's just a, well, I mean, I guess you have to go into it thinking like, you know, they released this epic first album. I'm just picturing the people when Van Halen one came out being like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like that, like I, I put that, I, I, that, that carries a lot of water for me in the sense of like perspective wise of like when these artists put these albums out as good as they are today, just imagining what it would have been like back then to hear that for the I first think time. Saturday night fever was number one on billboard when Van Halen one and came that's, out. That's crazy to put it into perspective. Yeah, that's, that's wild, dude. It's nuts. But like my whole take on Van Halen two is, is you have Van Halen one, which is arguably like one of the most like flawless debut rock albums, and an ultimate game changer at that point in time. How do you follow that up? Yeah, and you know, I mean, 
Van Halen 2 has got an awesome track listing. I mean, uh, fucking Beautiful Girls. I mean, that was another like radio one, but it wasn't played as much. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, DOA is my absolute favorite. That album opens up with Light Up the Sky. Like that. Like they, when I saw them, they opened with that. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh my God, dude, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it was a sad day. Yeah. Like, it was I very, remember, like we knew the possibility, but it's like, we had usually, talked about it at one what, point yeah, on the we show. Had. And it, it's like, usually you kind of get that lead up. You know, they're mm-hmm. critical, something happened or something like I, I respect the way they handled it and kind of like probably dealing with it very privately in the moments leading up to it. He was with his family. Mm-hmm. I think that's more respectable than like, oh, he's in the hospital and then everybody's thinking. Of, I mean, yeah, that's one thing. But it's, you know, we have to remember these people are human beings. You know, their, exactly. Their personal stuff isn't always for everybody. And you know, what's funny, like the people in his camp, man, like they are fucking tight. They're tight. And, like, it's funny, too, because obviously after he died, you hear things like, you know, like Sammy Hagar had been in contact with him for, like, months. Mm-hmm. And I'd re- listened to interviews recently where Sammy's like, nope, I haven't talked to him. <laughs> nope. I, I don't know how he's doing. I hope he's doing good. Yeah. I haven't heard from him at all. And it's like, he's been fucking talking to him this whole time. Yeah. But the reports that I read is that Eddie and Sammy didn't want that getting out. Because they didn't want to give the fans... Cause speculation. Yeah, they didn't want to yeah. cause speculation is, because they both knew it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, which is good. But another thing that I read is George Lopez is actually the reason them two got back in touch. Like the comedian? Yeah, like him and Eddie are boys. Or were boys. Really? And um, like he knew he wasn't doing good. And he's like, have you talked to Sammy? Like, you know, like, what's going on with you guys? You know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, I'm waiting for him to call me. That is the weirdest, like... Dude, if you look it up on the internet, you'll see pictures of him. Yeah, that yeah. is so weird. I think they're neighbors or something. Wow. But they are they were boys. And, um, you know, Eddie's like, oh, I'm waiting for him to call me. So then George got Sammy's number somehow. He's like, hey, this is George Lopez. That's so weird. You need to get in touch with your boy because it isn't good. So weird. And then Sammy called him, and apparently the first thing Eddie said to him was, what took you so long? Wow. Yeah. Then it was perfect after that. Yeah, 2020's been a rough year with musicians, man. Dude, Neil Peart, fucking Riley from fucking Power Trip. Yeah. A lot of people, man. Eddie Van Halen. I'm just that, 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 that makes me think too with the opportunities, like missing out on shows and stuff. It's there. Like, I've never seen Ozzy live. That's yeah. been a big thing. You're going to have to if he I, comes back close. That's what I'm saying. Like, at some point with certain artists, like, going back, like, Halloween, for instance, it's like a once-a-year thing. So when I was, like, buying stuff at a Halloween store, I'm like, you know, it's once a year. Like, I have to get myself into a position where I'm willing to spend, like, a decent chunk of change to be able to see Ozzy. So it's just at one point exactly. in my life. I mean, and it's the same thing, like, when I spent money to see Bob Dylan, it's not even so much to go there to actually hear the quality of it. It's just to know that I was in the presence. Like, I have a big... Exactly. Picture. Yeah. I mean, I think I heard that they added dates to the No More Tours tour. Which would be great, because yeah. they'll play BB&T. Well, I mean, they came around the first leg, so if they come around in the second leg... I'm sure they will. Dude, we gotta go. 100%. This will be the third time I saw Ozzy, yeah. and it's a good show. Yeah, I saw Heaven he still Hell, brings so it. I got to see the members of Savage. That's but, cool. And I got to see Dio, which is cool, because Dio's no longer with Yeah, him. I can't say that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. But, um... Recipes Eddie Van Halen. Yes. Much love from Rage Against the Mainstream to all the surviving members of the family. And uh, hopefully we can hear something from their camp soon. Some point. Something good. Yeah. You know, we need a little bit of good news 
you know, during this whole time. Yes. It just sucks, man. Yeah, like, it's pretty bad. This year fucking totally blows. Yeah, it's been really, like, shameful for music, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. You know, with new certain songs that I'm not going to mention that come out, and that becomes the <laughs> the wave, I guess you could say. However, I did hear that, um, I forget what Van Halen song it was, but it knocked that particular song off the charts. Which is great. Apparently, uh, it was a meme, so I love to take see it for what like it's that. worth. Yeah. But it said... Van Halen occupied uh, occupied spot, spots on the charts everywhere. Um, 1984 and Van Halen had a 6,000% increase of awesome. downloads and album sales. And it's just like, what? It's like when you heard about like Tool knocking off Taylor Swift for the number one sold out. Yeah, like, exactly. That's like a, always a good feeling. And it's not even <laughs> to be against genre, like, you know, genre bias, but it's just... There's so many acts out there that people aren't familiar with. So when they get all crazy, you know, butthurt about the idea of like, who the hell is this band? Like, obviously there's somebody. Yeah, exactly. You know, like kind of open your horizons a little bit. <laughs> I've heard fucking Taylor Swift many a times. Maybe it's time for you guys to start listening to some Tool. Maybe kind of, yeah, bend it a little bit. I mean, Fear Inoculum like, was probably oh. was probably like the harder end of the spectrum for people to get into. Of tool course, with. but here's another <laughs> thing though. Do you remember the uh, the viral video ran around with Dogface, the dude with the cranberry juice drinking? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, all of a sudden, Dreams became like this huge downloaded song. People are like, "What is the song? <laughs> Name the song." You know what I mean? Now it's like one of those like, "Oh, I heard this on TikTok." Like, dude, that was one of the best selling albums yeah. ever. You know, like at some point, you know, you have parents. What are they teaching you? Like, yeah, exactly. What are they listening to? That's crazy. Like that all of a sudden, this song is like a hot fucking commodity because of a TikTok video. <laughs> Shout out to him, though. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Fucking good looking. Great video. That was and, a, that's like 2020, like what we need in a nutshell right there. Yeah. And fucking shout out to Ocean Spray for hooking that dude up. Hell yeah. Like they didn't have to do that. Like no, that was that cool. Mean, but that put them on the fucking map, though. Oh, all yeah. Saw it. <laughs> Anytime I go and look at Ocean Spray now, I'm like <laughs> thinking of dreams. Yeah. I want to pull out my longboard. Yeah. Right. It's great, dude. It's great. So, <clears throat> have you encountered anything new or interesting in the past few weeks? Well, shout out to, uh, this is our post-Halloween episode, sorry we couldn't get to a episode for the holiday, but ironically enough, Carcass, which I kind of label as a death metal band, but they kind of have like a gore metal thing, yeah. in my particular opinion, like Exhumed, Cattle Decapitation, um, you know, even like Impaled and Ghoul, like they have like this gory, it's just, it feels like, I don't know. If gore was music, this is what it would be. <laughs> so Carcass came out with their EP finally on Hollow's Eve on the 30th, um, the Despicable EP. It's a four-song EP. It only runs like like 18, 19 minutes. Um, and they dropped like the songs sporadically, but I finally got to just listen to it front to back. Yeah. And it's awesome because Carcass, you know, it's a total reformation of the band. Amat's not in it anymore. Okay. But they still produce like what I consider like quality death metal. There's not many bands that are new that That's are like keeping like the, the same yeah. level. So it's always good when an older band comes through and like kind of puts more music out there. Cause I like hearing fresh shit. Yeah, like exactly. I've listened to Necroticism and Heartwork so many goddamn times. It's like just to hear something new from a band that I appreciate and have it be enjoyable. And at least it wasn't like an inflamed situation. Yeah, where they, yeah, dude. And they, they totally really, fucking changed. God, and they, they just re released Clayman too, the 20th anniversary edition that I got. Oh shit. And it's like, it's, it's done, dude. It's yeah. over that era. That's like, like Sepultura. That era of that band is just gone, and it's like <laughs> fuck. And Carcass, like even the way they were going after Heartwork, that real melodic sound. Like this album came out, and it's kind of like still melodic, yeah, but very 
grindcore-ish death metal, which is well, really that's awesome. cool. Yeah, very enjoyable. Shout out to Carcass. Carcass. Speaking of the Bee Gees earlier, when I was talking about them uh, being number one when Van Halen One came out. Oh yes, another mega hit from them, "Staying Alive." Oh yeah, fans of The Office will uh, know that uh, that's the song you uh, provide CPR, CPR to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Cruising through YouTube, as I normally do, you find yourself in the rabbit hole of goofy videos, and I came across one that I think would tickle the fancy of a lot of people. It's one of those ones, um, you're talking about like, you know, when you're watching a rabbit hole video and you just kind of get the uh, super sleep-deprived laughs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's one of those, I'm guessing? Uh, Kind of, yeah. yeah. But it, it, but it, all right, so in context... It's a mashup between two songs. Okay. One is Staying Alive by the Bee Gees, and the other one's Back in Black by ACDC. Okay. Two songs that, you know, thinking about it shouldn't go together. But when you hear it is like, huh, like this kind of does work. Yeah. I'm going to play a clip for all of you to check it out now. And if, uh, you know, you don't like it, skip like 10 seconds forward or 15, <laughs> whatever the, whatever you know, your streaming service allows you to do. But yeah, so what did you think? That's hilarious, dude. <laughs> I've like seen a couple of those. Like uh, the opening scream is what gets me. Yeah, that little that <laughs> yeah, that little high pitch moment right before the guitar breaks in. Um, that's funny. That just goes to show you, though, like just time signatures and you know things yeah. of that nature. How easy it is to like mash up so many songs. Exactly. You know, like just there's just such a level of creativity that's still like structured in like. Well, the they same may have way. put a pitch shifter on the guitar or on ACDC's track. Yeah, but just it even the tempo lighter. can just you can oh, fit yeah. it just based on the. Dun, 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 dun. Like you put a metronome next to that. So I guess we could change it now. I guess back in black. Could be the CPR song now. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. We're changing it here on Rage Against the Mainstream. Uh, remember, 100. Those who are in a moment of absolute despair and you don't know how to perform CPR, just put on Back, Back in Black, Black title track and <laughs> perform as needed. Listen to the remainder of the album, too. You won't be disappointed. Compression, compression, <laughs> compression. I wonder how many other ACDC songs I could work with. Probably almost all of them <laughs> in some way, them. dude. They're all the same. We went over this. <laughs> if you oh make it through God. track three on on Back in Black, chances are they're dead. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> on this day in music history. On this day in music history, November 2nd, 1956, a riot breaks out 
at Fats Domino at Fats Domino's show in Fayetteville, North Carolina. With with police resorting to tear gas to break up the unruly crowd, Fats jumps out of a window to avoid the melee. He and two other band members are slightly injured. Um, wasn't he big? Oh yeah, yeah he was like huge, He's right? A big guy, yeah. I mean, it's just funny because this would make sense in 1956. Like Fats Domino was kind of like more of like your edgier music figure. Yeah. And in the South like that, I wouldn't be totally surprised if something going wrong at a Fats Domino concert in 56. <laughs> but to picture him jumping out of a fucking window is kind of hilarious. All you got to do is wait 30 more years for another riot like that to happen with NWA. Yes. This is very true. <laughs> 1978, the police released their debut album. Atlandos D'Amour. The working title is Police Brutality. It's changed to make it sound more romantic. The title loosely translates as Outlaws of Love, but the term Outlandos is actually, is actually a mix of the words Outlaws and Commandos. Sting always being some sort of genius all the time, coming up with some super fucking awesome shit. Police Brutality, I think, would have been cooler, but... Yeah, but that it's the police, dude. I, yeah. The, 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 I mean, think about their songs. At never any point do I put on a police. First of all, I'm not even a huge fan of police. I'm just going to say that out loud. No, me either. Secondly, though, if I'm listening to Roxanne, at no point am I thinking like, jam, man, a lot of fucking injustice going on <laughs> in this city, you know? Sting, <laughs> you really got it in me, man. I'm going out there. Yeah. Waving right. a sign. <laughs> police protect. Come on, man. I, and it's smart because that kind of would have put a weird damper on their image. Oh, because 100%. they definitely became more of just like that easy listening, yeah, like Eagles type band, you know? Yeah, like Roxanne. Come on, Roxanne. <laughs> Moving on here to 1981, Neil Young releases Reactor, his 11th studio album. It marks the first time Young uses an instrument called the. Slin Slin Clavier? Sinclavier? I can't even see that. S Y N C L A V I E R. Yeah, whatever. Sinclavier and signals the coming electronic sound of trans. Made at a time when Young's attention is primarily focused on caring for his disabled son, the album feels thrown together and is not well received by critics or fans. Our resident Neil Young expert isn't here to weigh in a little bit this. more. Yeah, and I don't feel comfortable because I'm not a, I'm not su- like I know the album. I'm not super familiar with it. Um, but all I can say is, is Neil Young's discography has like it's it's like you know, like it's like a, it's like a gold mine. You find something good in there. You yeah. Know, sometimes you'll be looking, and you might not find something. Well, I think in '81, I'm just uh, like. Uh, what do they call it? Like through osmosis, like yeah. when you get something from somebody. Like I think through Connor Osmosis Lee, this might have been when he changed record labels and they weren't happy with the shit he was putting out. Oh. I think this might have been the start of that. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll have to ask Connor at some other point, but yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is, and I'm pretty sure this was like the beginning of the end of his like commercial career. Yeah, Neil Young is one of those guys who has a very extensive discography, mm-hmm. and there's like some absolute gems in there and then there's some absolute like Lulu Berlin yeah Lou Reed type works in there like 
I, I Connor's res- probably I, like I'm just thinking right now we're talking about this. Connor's, Connor's probably driving to Wisconsin, out. bumping reactor right now. Like <laughs> I don't get how people hate this fucking album. His fucking his uh, his young senses are tingling. Oh yeah, he dude. probably fucking ran off the road <laughs> by now. <laughs> yeah, it's like ringing right in his car. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's probably turning the car around right oh, now. Yeah, dude. <laughs> he's kicking this door. Reactor on LP is going to stop the show. You guys have to listen to this right now. <laughs> you just don't understand it. <laughs> I'm back. Moving on here to 1984. Marvin Gaye Sr., father of singer Marvin Gaye, is found guilty of manslaughter in the shooting death of his son. But courts rule the action was taken in self-defense. The elder Gaye is given five years probation. I forget. Wasn't Marvin Gaye on like drugs and shit? Yeah. Like, wasn't was, he like fucking like crazy? Yeah. It was still a very... Uh, well, was, if I remember correctly, him and his dad never got along. No. Like, ever. Nope. Yeah, I don't know. If you want a little bit more into this uh, particular topic, uh, Disgraceland Podcast does a pretty good episode on this particular thing. Yeah, you were telling thing. me about that, yeah. And um, it's been so long since I heard it that I can't... I don't remember everything word for word, but... Like, there was, like, crazy shit leading up to this, where, like, this actually happened. It was like, oh, well, it's fucking dead certain he did it to fucking kill him. Yeah. Like, it wasn't self-defense. Yeah. But, yeah, go check it out. This Graceland podcast, they do an episode on this. It's just like an oxymoron, though. You get guilty of manslaughter, and somehow that translates into a plea bargain of probation. Yeah, It shouldn't exactly. even be, like, on the list of things to give somebody for a manslaughter conviction. Yeah, I'm telling you right now, any single person goes out there and hits a kid in the middle of the street, total accident, vehicular manslaughter, you ain't getting probation. No. Not even close. No, not at all. Um, In 1985, Part-Time Lover hits number one on the Hot 100. 22 years after Stevie Wonder first topped the chart in 1963. Absolute hit maker, dude. Dude. Yeah. Like, we talk about, you know, like like, when Eddie Van Halen died, like how, like, crazy that was and shit. Yeah. When Stevie Wonder dies, there's going to be a fucking full-blown, like, day of silence. Yeah. Yeah. I'm waiting for my fucking Stevie biopic, dude. Yeah, that's... It's a shame, because a lot of these picks don't come out until it's, like, the end or coming to an end of, like, absolute just... Which is a shame, because I would love to get these guys, like, still coherent enough to be able to get their story across without having to, like, push them around in a wheelchair, like, a week before they die, just to get... You know, come on. I mean... There's so many artists out there where I don't understand. And bro, last time I checked, fucking Stevie's still able to sing. That's and what do I'm saying. Everything. And you man. have the opportunity where it's like, I guarantee you, a lot of people just with that it allows the exposure to be like, hey, check this out, showing yeah. younger generations. It's the same thing when that Jordan documentary came out. Yeah. Everybody's on this LeBron train and everything like that because they never seen LeBron James. But then when you watch a documentary, you get to see the insight of why people talk about Michael Jordan the way they is. Like then you understand. Yeah. But that's what it takes sometimes. You need that. They consider visual. Jordan one of the best to ever play basketball. 100%. But that's the thing. The younger generations are like, like I grew up with Michael Jordan on the Wizards. I mean, that was that was like a shell of Michael Jordan. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. But I already knew about it because of my father. Like that's what he grew up with in the 90s. I grew that. up with uh, MJ being the fucking center for the Toon Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Guess who's actually going to be the uh, fucking center for the Toon Squad? Who? LeBron James. Oh he's shit! Made, uh, he's just he's just following right in his footsteps. We're getting totally off topic. LeBron here, but, James. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> a lot of these biopics 
kind of allow that exposure. Like you can tell yeah. a story about an artist all you want, but if you can sit down and watch a full on documentary and like understand why people appreciate them the way they do. Oh yeah, dude. And fucking people just don't understand like how extensive his catalog is. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Stevie Wonder, not uh not LeBron James anymore. Yeah, but uh if he has a discography that <laughs> uh, like Stevie Wonder is a national treasure. Hundred percent. Like you better fucking hide him from Nicolas Cage Please National man. Treasure. Yeah. Yeah, actually, get going back to the biopic thing real quick. I was listening. We we're, were just cruising, listening to music, and Elvis came on. Where the fuck is an Elvis biopic? Yeah, that's like weird. we had Johnny Cash and shit, and not for nothing, dude. Johnny Cash wasn't shit compared to Elvis. I I have a strong feeling that it just doesn't get publicly announced. But almost like with Metallica, remember when like Lars came out and pretty yeah. much said like oh, I don't want this shit out there type attitude. Mm-hmm. I bet you like estate purposes when they try to do something because I'm sure there's people out there just trying to. Oh, there's dig people of the Elvis and, estate. Yeah, dude, and he's like another one. Even like Tupac. Yeah. Like Biggie. I mean, you don't get real honest biopics. You just get like the story of his death. And then you get people just talking rumors. And, yeah. You know, like on crime network shows and weird shit like that. Exactly. But I think there's a lot of things behind a lot of that stuff where it's how Notorious made be? for a good movie, but that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of it's it just wasn't made 100%. For yeah, dude. But an Elvis one, I mean, even an Elvis movie would be great. Yeah, I mean, just we like had him in Walk Phoenix the Line type. yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but just an Elvis movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be, I would take that just for now. It'd be fucking tight. Yeah. 1999, pretty big jump here. Lil Wayne's debut, or Lil Wayne's <laughs> debut studio album, The Block is Hot, shoots the number one on Billboard Albums chart and goes on to sell 1.4 million copies worldwide. Tell you right now, that Lil Wayne, like I fucked with that Lil Wayne. Oh yeah, dude, he, he ain't shit, shit now. Was, I know, but that music back then was good. Like Dude. dedication to that one of those um, mixtapes he released, man. I remember when I first heard that, and that kind of went me back into his disc, you know, his his whole catalog early on in like the early two thousands. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck happened to him. I, I'm guessing it's the fucking promethazine and codeine. Yeah. yeah, like just straight the the shizzer, as He's, the kids would say. Yeah, he fucking straight. He he fucking full blown drank himself retarded. Yeah. And it's like, funny, I remember I saw an interview, he's like, man, if it's fucking heroin in my cup, none of your business. I'm like, bro, you're drinking codeine, like, all day. Like, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, you might as well be just I believe he started dope. having seizures and shit, too, Yeah, from it's it. no joke. Like, that's, like, full on, like, he can't stop, ever. Yeah. Someone said that there was a story about Lil Wayne where, uh, he, he was, like, some dude was hanging out at his house and, like, opened up his fridge and, like, went and grabbed what he thought was, like, a soda, but it was in, like, a fucking like homemade bottle oh and they even God. ripped the dude like what the fuck you doing opening Lil Wayne's fridge and seeing that bottle and thinking that was okay because he said he took a sip of it dude and he said I couldn't even fucking stand up afterwards oh my god like so much goddamn Cody and he just like put him on his ass <laughs> that's his fault though yeah it's just I mean, a makeshift bottle in Lil Wayne's house what do you think is in that shit that's like going to fucking like I don't know fucking Ted Bundy's house or like Jeffrey Dahmer's house yeah. and like eating the stew yeah he's like, like totally uh, okay with that uh, that bone looks a little that chicken bone. Hey, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you got any of those uh, burritos in there? Yeah. There's yeah, like sure. joints in the bone that clearly look like a finger. Nah, that's just a huge bird, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Sure thing, Jeff. <laughs> Last thing here in music news, 2018, the Queen biopic Bohemian Rhapsody starring Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury opens in theaters. It wins four Oscars, including Best Actor for Malek. Well, it's already been two years. Interesting. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Last thing in music history. My bad. What'd you say? Music news. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, 
Yeah, it's totally off the cup. Um, yeah, I remember seeing that. I didn't realize it's been already two years. That's. I still have yet to see it. Are you serious? I still haven't seen it. You saw um, Rocket Man though, right? Parts of it. I didn't get to actually sit this down and watch it. Is better because it's a movie. It's not like um, there's so many musical parts in Rocket Man. The yeah, movie parts of Rocket Man were really, really good. Yeah, and every time it started to get good, music. Some motherfucker came in just <laughs> dancing when it wasn't even calling for that shit. Like it was a real serious moment. But this movie, um. It was it was great. Like Rami Malek did a very good job. Uh, all the actors who played, especially like Brian May's character, um, very good. It got you to the point of you know how they were before you know Freddie got in the band about his name, about his family a little bit. Like they they touched on like a little bit of everything to give you yeah. enough insight to appreciate. It. And basically, the whole thing leads up to that Live Aid show. Okay, and it's just it's it's on point. Speaking of another, uh, you know, another Eddie Van Halen thing, you know, he was involved with uh, uh, a super group with Brian May. Yeah, I did see something about that, actually. Like Starship Trooper yeah, or some yeah. shit like that. Yeah, I did see something about that, actually. But going off of what we of, of Bohemian Rhapsody and Queen in general, me and you talk about this kind of thing all the time. I feel like after that came out, you started to see like an influx in fucking Queen t-shirts. Queen fans, yeah. And, you know, the supposed Queen fans that only know We Will Rock You God, or... It's like a pop, 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 pop culture thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think what I want to get into discussing today is, I guess, the negative and positives that come out of certain celebrities wearing band t-shirts. Whether or not they do or don't listen to these particular artists, but the fact of the matter is that sometimes they do create new fans out of these yeah, shirts that they wear. Yeah, I was going to say that's, uh, I forget the meme I saw. It's like the, the one commandment is do not wear the band shirt if you do not know the artist, <laughs> you know, type. And me personally, um, I specifically will buy band t-shirts and already have it in mind that I'm buying this shirt because I enjoy this band. Yeah. Like there's some bands out there that I'm not really a fucking fan of. Maybe I know one or two songs and I like an album cover and I still won't buy that shirt. This is me personally. Yeah. Because like I want to be able to know like if I, I put myself in a lot of positions where I'll wear like a more obscure band shirt and someone will call it out whether I'm at a show, whether I'm at a store and like I want to be able to know that like there's credibility behind why I'm wearing that shirt. Exactly. I'm a regular fucking person. I'm not looking to spread any attention, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm not even remotely close to that point. But you do, like you mentioned, see celebrities. Yeah. Uh, big things in particular, like they're always those like generic t-shirts, like a Misfits t-shirt, a Slayer mm-hmm. t-shirt, something controversial enough where it's like, I want to be different, where you don't realize there's a whole fucking culture of people where that Slayer t-shirt is like the absolute norm, generic, like yeah. nothing, you know, that's like the Walmart of t-shirts. Yeah, it's the Walmart we, one. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And for me, I'm going to, it's it's two ways. Yeah. Like, you're wearing that shirt, someone might be interested in it. And I guarantee you there's a fucking great load of people out there that probably Google if they can read the band name, first of all, <laughs> like Google it and then yeah. be like looking up the company probably of what clothing company this is yeah, and exactly. realizing a band pops up <laughs> and then they're probably seeing the you know connection and then maybe they listen to the music. Yeah, I'm going to say more times than not, they're like, what the fuck is this? 
Exactly. But then there's the possibility where like, wow, if Kim Kardashian or, you know, you know, any of the Kardashians, whenever they're wearing those fucking shirts, they're listening to this. There's got to be something to it. And then they may force feed themselves to listen to Slayer or something. And then you see Gary Holt on the other end of the spectrum wearing his yeah, Kill the Kardashians kill shirt. Kardashians shirt. <laughs> um, I thought about buying one of those. I thought it'd be funny. See, I, I, to me, it's like... I, it's cool for shock value, but at the same time, you're it, not going to wear it every day. Yeah, I'm not going to wear a Kim Kardashian shirt. It's just not even that important to me. <laughs> I'd wear it to like photo shoots yeah. and stuff like that. Like if we were getting promo pictures done, I'd probably wear it. Yeah. The one T-shirt that always gets me, the one that always pisses me off every time I see it, is when people are wearing Injustice for All. Yeah. It's just like. <sighs> Like, why are you degrading this album like this? Yeah. Like, like, why couldn't you go get the Death Magnetic T-shirt or yeah. something? Go wear a Metallica shirt, but don't pick one that's or, like... even better, pick one of the Metallica shirts that isn't a fucking album cover. Yeah, just one of those, like, generic pictures of their faces or something. Yeah, you know what I mean? or just the fucking Metallica logo. Logo, yeah. Like, dude, I've owned my and fair share. And the load, share. reload Metallica logo, yeah. not... Yeah, not <laughs> kill them all, dude. You master. <laughs> I've owned my fair share of Metallica shirts. Yes. And as I'm pretty sure you have too. Of course. The Injustice for All one is just what gets me. It's the one shirt because it's cool because it's like a different color. They make it up. Plus on the back with the hammer of justice. Like, yeah, that's what pisses me off when I see that real one. Yeah, because the Walmart one was just the front logo. Yeah, I'm a big thing with band t-shirts, man. (laughs) Like, that's important to me. Like, I need some back print. Absolutely. Do you remember the first band t-shirt you've ever owned? Yes. Which was? It was, was a it? Lamb of God t-shirt I got from Spencer's. Really? And it was two sizes too big, and I was hanging out with people that listen to music. And I remember the first time I heard Omerita, and I was like, I need that fucking shirt, because <laughs> this band is cool to a point where it's not wearing a Metallica shirt. Yo, this thing was like a fucking dress on me, but I wore it, man. <laughs> I wore that. And it was the most generic one. It was like some... like. It was like a phoenix on fire, and it just had the Lamb of God uh, okay. logo in the middle. There's nothing on the back. Got Spencer's are like nine ninety. Yeah, exactly. This one was like heavy duty Hanes T-shirts. Yeah, it wasn't even comfortable. I was like, I need to wear this. That's so funny. <laughs> I think my first band T-shirt I ever had, which is really funny because I I'm just not a fan of the band, is Pink Floyd. All right, well, that's everyone had one. a Dark Side of the Moon shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> I think my mom bought me the Dark Side of the Moon shirt along with the Back in Black shirt because I think they had oh, it that's at That's another one, yeah. That's Mine was gray, one. though. Mine was gray with the black ACDC. Okay. And then Back in Black at the bottom. I'm, I remember, uh, I think you remember, remember that tool hoodie I used to wear all yeah. the fucking time, dude? <laughs> Shit was like making thumb holes on itself <laughs> with it, dude. That's the thing, I mean, because... As a person that listens to me, like I'm very cool with people wearing just random band t-shirts, even if they don't know the band. Yeah. But to a point of like a celebrity doing it, especially the one that really got me, Kanye West now being like kind of like in this real religious. Mm-hmm. Like he was just on Joe Rogan, did some like you know praying thing. I mean, he's just real, and he was wearing a cradle of filth shirt. <laughs> and it had like two nuns on it or something. I mean, because you know how Cradle of Filth is. They have like the fuck me Jesus shirt. Yeah, they have like the imagery nun shit with shoving them. a crucifix up her. You know, it's like, yeah. to me, it's like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to use that to just look different, to be different? Yeah. Uh, you're obviously not spreading exposure for the band. That like can't be it because 
Cradle of Filth, even for people that are like into metal, some of those songs are like very difficult to get into. Yeah. So I they're only, an acquired taste. They are. And I'm I'm a big fan of Cradle of Filth to a point where I see that and it's like I know that his fan base and this may be total prejudice and bias, but I just have a strong inclination to know that his fan base is not Never. gonna turn on like Midian, you know, or any of those albums, Mm-mm. you know, and be like, Oh, okay, I see I see why he's into this. Yeah. I guarantee you Kanye West has never even heard of fucking Cradle That's of Filth. That's what I'm song. saying. And I'm pretty sure just because he's in the music industry, maybe they've come up on his radar like a blip. You know what I mean? Maybe. Poss- just very small. <laughs> you know? But not to a point where he took an amphetamine and was like, oh, Coffin Father is a great song. Love the yeah. fucking double kick on that one. You know what I mean? I don't see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to your, your 10,000 Days hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> I had a shirt uh, it was Cannibal Corpse, Centuries of Torment. Yes. I literally wore that shirt and washed it so many times that it fell apart. That's the best. It literally fell Those apart. Those are the best t-shirts. Dude, the sleeves fell the fuck off of it. Like, yeah. I remember, like, the sleeves started falling apart and, like, they weren't, like, like you know, like, elastic-ish anymore. Yeah. I cut them off. I just wore it as a sleeveless. Yeah, like, gotta keep it going. That's how it is, dude. Dude, I was an embarrassment to my family for so long. <laughs> I still am an embarrassment to my family to this day. <laughs> dude, I remember fucking, you know, like... <laughs> for those of you that have listened to the show since day one, you know that uh, my father uh, partakes in golf cart sales. And at a young age, I was... Uh, Selling golf carts and talking to customers and repairing golf carts and whatnot, and to and have no way some kid yourself in a formal manner. <laughs> Black skinny jeans, fucking Chuck Taylor or the no super Chuck Taylor's seen part. Yeah, fucking hair. my hair looked like a stormtrooper helmet, <laughs> and here I come with a fucking sleeveless Cannibal Corpse shirt. It looked on. like Darth Vader's helmet without the front piece, <laughs> like just that that top piece that comes on. Yeah, just like a two piece helmet. It's just like, you know, I can, like, being an adult now, and, like, not that I judge people, but, yeah. like, just, like, think about it. Like, I'm probably walking down the driveway, and they're like, look at this fucking freak. <laughs> See, here's the thing, though. As I'm wearing me, a shirt with a dude's skin being ripped off I'm, of him. I'm getting to a point, because I'm approaching 30. I got one more year left after yeah. this, you know, Christmas. And I'm, like, trying to utilize that opportunity because, like, at any point do I feel like I should be dressing like a quote-unquote adult. Yeah. Because talking about hoodies, you remember, of course, my repulsion hoodie. Yeah. And this is this is where it's, like, a quarter-life crisis, I call it. I had that hoodie. I love that fucking hoodie. Horrified, the repulsion. I thought paid. they were going to bury you in that hoodie. Dude, that hoodie was, like, near and dear to me for two reasons. One, nobody knew who the fuck that band was, okay? <laughs> they were a huge influence on the grindcore scene. They were just, the hoodie was awesome. It was just the logo on the front and then the yeah. big album cover on the back. It looked like you had a back patch already sewn into your hoodie. It was a great hoodie. And I gave it to somebody. <laughs> And it's gone because when I gave it to this individual, she had decided to like, well, I don't blame her because I was like going all over the eastern side of the United States for various reasons. Um, But I added to a point, dude, like I'm just so caught up with like imagery of like albums and like band shirts and stuff like that. And I had to buy that hoodie again, as you've seen, because you asked me like, oh, you still have that thing? Yeah. Brand fucking new. Same hoodie. Just there was two left. I was like, holy shit. I know, dude. Like, that's the thing, man. I'm That's why I get really caught up, because I look at that almost as like an icebreaker opportunity for people you don't know. I had a situation where I was at school. I was getting in an elevator with my friend and this girl got on wearing this very unique, like dark side of the moon shirt. Like it looked like 
really classic. Not so, a, not a Walmart special. No, like this thing was legit, and I'm pretty sure it was an actual tour shirt. Lo and behold, the individual I was with mentioned something to this girl and was like, "Wow, like that's a really cool shirt. Like, you know, what, do, you, do you like them?" He didn't start off like, "What's your favorite song?" Like, yeah. Per- and she was like, "Oh no, this is my dad's shirt." So now uh, in my head, I'm like, "Wow, she's rocking like an actual." Dark Side of the Moon tour, tour shirt, shirt, and she's wearing it with like you know her Uggs and all that. And I'm thinking like, why'd you put that shirt on? There might be a reason behind that. Maybe your dad passed away. Maybe she's just like near and dear to it. But like to me, that thing's fucking framed somewhere. Yeah, you know, understanding the value and the memory behind that shirt of how important that is. Where it's like a lot of people like I'm gonna put this T-shirt on because everybody else is wearing this. Yeah, but I'm gonna be trendy and kind of like. Because, dude, honestly, that fucking shirt, it was in decent shape, but you could tell, like, it was old. And I'm, like, telling you, like, the way people are, fucking sell that thing. Oh, hell yeah. You know, but also coming from her father, it's like, you know, that's, like, things that, you know, that's that's fucking collectible. (laughs) Dark Side of the Moon tour shirt, man. I mean, this is serious. So, going back to the whole celebrities or, you know, influential figures wearing band shirts has, has... have you ever been influenced to listen to anyone based off of a celebrity wearing a shirt or someone that you looked up to or admired wearing a particular band shirt? I think um, the big thing is, is like, especially the 90s scene. Yeah. Probably the 80s as well, because you see a lot of bands, like for instance, Cliff Burton used to wear Misfit shirts all the time. Mm-hmm. And just even the guys in Metallica in general back in the 80s. Like, oh, yeah. They had a fond support for that. If you look up at any uh, promotional pictures of Metallica, you're Someone's wearing one a Misfit person shirt. Wearing and they're like shirt. legit Misfit shirts. But here's the thing those guys were like growing up in that scene together. They had yeah. a fond respect for them because the Misfits came first, kind of like blueprinted for that more obscure style of punk to yeah. rock and roll. And, um, and especially like the 90s, like. You know, Kurt was real big wearing like the flipper shirts and like Tad and like kind of gave exposure to those bands that were a part of the scene that weren't really recognized because I'm a huge, uh, you know, I agree with the idea when I listen to an artist, I like to know their influences. You know, finding out Kurt Cobain got an influence from King Crimson actually spiraled me to like get more into King Crimson. Yeah. And the same thing with the band shirt recognition. I think it was just so much more of like, I knew of the band and then I seen someone that I did respect that had that shirt. Now I really want to listen to them because there's something obviously there. Because I can tell you, I can remember one particular instance. I believe it was on like the Cannibal Corpse Century of Torment thing where I saw it was either Pat or Corpse Grinder or somebody that was wearing a death shirt. And that was my introduction to death. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, at first I saw the logo and I was like, man, this looks kind of cool. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, let me look up death. And then lo and behold, here we are. Yeah. Death. Yeah. And like that. (laughs) See, that's that's where I totally get behind like prominent figures that represent bands, whether they be big or not to kind of spread the exposure. For instance, Power Trip. Power Trip. Was watching a live video. A guy was wearing a Devastation shirt. I recommended that album, Idolatry. Yeah, and they were a big band at the time, but never really made it full exposure in the thrash scene. But 
you know, then you have other bands like Warbringer, another modern thrash band. You watch some of their music videos, guys wearing like a Demolition Hammer shirt. Yeah. And to me, it's funny because they literally are almost like a carbon copy of Demolition Hammer in terms of sound. So it's like you get to see the fond respect these guys have wearing these T-shirts as almost like advertisement without actually needing the recognition, without actually needing. OK, yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to advertise your band because that's the sense of the scene, the community of yeah. like music in general. So when I see an artist like Kanye West wearing a Cradle of Phil shirt, it just annoys me more because of like, yeah, people are going to want to know what that is. But then mm-hmm. people are going to want to know what that is and get to a point where if they find out what it really is, what's that really going to do? Yeah, exactly. And then what's your intent behind wearing that? Like, I'm not going around, you know, wearing certain clothes and stuff for that nature just because everybody else is wearing band shirts. So let me turn around and start wearing champion hoodies. You know, like, yeah. it's just, I don't know what it is. I guess if you find style in that, but I don't see these people on a regular basis wearing these clothes. It's just like they look for a photo op and they yep. want to be like, wow, like, look, did you see their shirt? It was like Satan on there. Oh, like, yeah, you know, exactly. like, but it's like, that's a culture. That's a whole community of people that that's their norm. Going back to the champion thing for a second. Yeah. Do we remember like how that shit was sold at Total Kmart and yep. like, you know, you would cry and beg and plead to like, I found not this have your out. parents buy you that hoodie? I found this out. Actually, a few years ago, I had a champion hoodie that was $19.99 at a Kmart. I'm pretty sure the Kmart we worked at. I bought yeah. it one day because it was cold and I didn't have a fucking hoodie. This thing lasted me forever. And through my nefarious affairs, it got cigarette hole burns in it and all sorts of shit. And I was wearing that hoodie one day in a certain location. And this is now going like seven, eight years down the line because yeah. I just haven't changed in size over the past 25 years, it <laughs> seems. But I'm wearing this hoodie and some dude's like, yo, that's, that's dope. And I'm like... I'm like looking at myself. I'm like, what? what? And he's like, the hoodie, man. It's a nice hoodie. And it was like a nice hoodie, but it was like, like I was like wearing a pair of Jordan ones. This dude was like compliment me on this. He couldn't really see the cigarette burns underneath the sleeves and stuff, but like it was still in good shape. And I'm like, dude, what? And I looked around and champion, champion, champion. Yeah. Champion. I'm like, this is like a brand now. And now some of those hoodies, $59.99. Yeah. Like that. That was like, I remember you could, pair, you could get a pair of Blue Shacks. White special. Yeah, you get a pair of Shacks and a champion hoodie and some fucking Lee jeans. Remember and be the, good to go for 30 bucks. The Iverson shoes? Oh, yeah. Well, the Iversons were big. Those were big. I actually yeah. wore those for a long time when I played basketball. But Ice the, three the, ones, the yeah. Shacks were like, I, I swore they were made shoes. out of that stuff that used to make those like, you know, those like gummy looking like spiders and stuff on oh, Halloween yeah. or those like melted <laughs> patty things. Like that's what those Shack shoes look like they were made out of, dude. Like that thing, if like I felt like if you wore a Shaq shoe and you stepped on like hard, like hot pavement, those things would just melt into the fucking ground. They looked like they were made of straight like rubber plastic. Like that's so funny. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Lee jeans, a pair of Shaqs, and a champion hoodie, thirty nine ninety nine. You got school clothes. Now it's like, dude, thirty nine ninety nine. You might be able to get a sleeve of a champion hoodie. That's just I don't know, man. But that goes to show you, this is the same idea in who's wearing it and yeah. what it causes. And then that's where it bothers me because with music purposes, guess what? If that's getting merch sales, that's cool. Yeah. That's fine. And I'm sure Supporting the artist. Support the artist. But it's like at any point, you know, if I sat down with any of the Kardashians, God, you know, God forbid I wouldn't even pay, like you couldn't pay me to sit down with them. Um, but if it got to that point and I'm like, you know, listen, are you a huge fan of Show No Mercy or Rain and Blood? <laughs> like, like you couldn't have yeah. that conversation, you know? Like, I tried to have a conversation about someone with a misfit shirt, and they looked at me like I was going to, like... So, how do you feel about the commercial aspect of God Hates Us All versus, yeah. you know, uh, yeah. Repentless? Did you ever feel that Gary Holt was a good fill-in for Jeff? 
You know, like, you couldn't have those conversations. Let me ask you, where do you stand on the Michael Graves Danzig era? Yeah. Which one do you prefer? <laughs> you know, like, that's the whole thing. With band shirts, it's like, like I said, it's a, it's a whole community of people that that's just a norm. That is just yeah. business attire to a point. That is just formal wear. That is casual wear. And, you know, I just I just find it, I wouldn't say offensive, but I find it just kind of displeasing to know that a lot of people will it's wear It's disrespectful. Yeah, to an extent. Because you can do whatever the fuck you want. I really don't care. Exactly. But to a point where the people that see these individuals wearing this stuff are the same people that still flip out when they see Tool, you know, charting over Taylor Swift. Yeah, You know, but then if that artist comes out, you know, some, you know, hip-hop artist, like let's say Lil Uzi Vert's wearing a 10,000 Days shirt, people are like, that's a cool shirt, not realizing you just talked shit on that band a few months ago. Exactly. You know, that's the confusion. Like, at least have some level of intellect behind it. So, I guess to kind of conclude this, what do we feel like our general consensus is? The fact that, not that you need to be a foremost expert on the band of the shirt you're wearing, but you should at least have some sort of recognition or even... Like, respect for the artist or band. Yep. Yeah. And also, too, if you're going to get to that point to wear a shirt, you go Load Era, Metallica logo, <laughs> no back print, Walmart, 1999 on a Hanes heavy duty. Yeah. And stop wearing Injustice for All. Pick another album, yes. please. Like, don't make the used to be unpopular to wear cool shirts popular and uncool. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we're about to see a fucking, you know, um, about to see a a resurgence in like the Funk Master Flex shoes. Yeah. Remember those? Yeah. (laughs) Dude, I'm going to just get a St. Anger shirt. When the fuck do you see those, dude? They're going to be like, yo, is that some obscure Metallic album? Yes, it is. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck it. It's it's an interesting interesting album, you know? Almost killed a band. (laughs) (laughs) God. I've been seeing like I don't know why, but like it shows up on my related or related videos or videos I should watch on YouTube, and it's always like the clip of uh, some kind of monster when Lars is like, he fucking left the band. It's so he bad. fucking left. It's so hello, bad. what's not clicking? He fucking left the band, and I'm just like, what the fuck, it's man? So bad, so funny. But that kind of concludes this topic. I think. What do you feel? Do you feel like you should be able to wear whatever the fuck you want and not care about the particular fan bases that are associated with the clothing that you choose to wear? Or do you feel like you should, you know, have a level of respect or even an understanding of the shirt you're wearing? Do you feel that, you know, load, reload, or St. Anger should be worn above and justice for all? Do you feel like you should know more than just Astro Zombies if you're going to wear a Misfit shirt. I'm going to say this. If you know more than five songs, then you can pick whichever shirt. But if you fail the test, you're limited to a certain selection. Head over to our Facebook page to take our quiz. <laughs> For instance, if you can't name five Misfit songs, you're stuck to only era, you know, Misfit shirts. All right? <laughs> you can't name five Metallica songs, you're limited between Load and Death Magnetic. <laughs> there's, there's certain shirts you have to wear. If you... Fall in a hierarchy here. That's what we're going to do here. Check into the podcast this Saturday where I sit down with Omar from the band The Phoenix Within. Because you, loyal listener of this podcast, have an opportunity to win some cool merch from The Phoenix Within. Head over to our Facebook page and get the rules and regulations. And you too 
can wear band t-shirts and you could be cool and flashing around to your friends from some obscure band that no one else has ever heard of. Limited time offer. Go to our Facebook page and find this out. But we're going to get into our suggestions for this week. Would you like to start us off, Steve? Yeah, just since this is a post-Halloween and I kind of made the commitment to recommending Halloween-themed songs. Okay. I don't even think I've ever recommended this band, The Misfits. Which is weird because I don't think you have. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. I don't think you ever have. Yeah, it's really weird because I was gonna do one every week and then end it with the Misfits, but now it's just you know we missed that up. (laughs) So my recommendation is technically their second album, their second release studio album is Earth AD, also Wolf's Blood. Um, the song that I'm recommending, cause I just think this is their best lineup. You know, you got, you got only, you got Doyle. This was when Robo was on the, you know, kid. Yeah. I mean, it's just a great lineup. The song I'm recommending, the standout track is track nine. It's called Blood Feast. Nice. My suggestion for this week, sticking with the Halloween theme here, is to check out Heavy Metal Heroes. Uh, they do covers. Uh, of popular songs while they play the characters of your favorite Marvel and DC superheroes. Cross up. The particular song in question here is Ghostbusters. Excellent cover. I haven't heard a better cover of that song ever. You can find them on Spotify, you know, pretty much wherever, but I found them on YouTube. Digging. Rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. rabbit hole. Yeah. Like, I was like, heavy metal heroes, what the fuck? And then I watched it, I was like, what? And then, the, I'm going to let you know right now, fucking Deadpool's got some pipes on him. You start off watching Sepultura videos, you wind up waking up in the <laughs> middle of the night to see guys building pools at like 2 a.m. Yeah. It's just how it all, it's just how it happened. Our group suggestion for this week is to check out the live concert experience, Van Halen Live Without a Net. This was taken during their 5150 tour with Sammy Hagar. And to this day, I believe it's the only DVD live concert that you can watch. Um, it features the iconic 13-minute rendition of Eruption that spans all of Eddie's solos throughout you know Van Halen's career up until that point. Um, honestly, I think I'd put this probably in like my top three shows of all time, like because of the quality of it and like. It was like perfect. It was it was taken over two nights at uh, I forget what col- it was something Coliseum in New Haven, Connecticut, and um, it's just it's just incredible. It's got extremely good songs. They uh, they do I believe a couple covers on this as, as well, and um, I'm pretty sure you can find this anywhere you stream. Anywhere where you stream, or if you check it out on the Water Twig or whatever, I personally have a DVD copy that I'm going to make Steve borrow and watch before the next time he comes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so that's pretty much that for this week. Van Halen live without a net. I'm pretty sure you can find the whole concert on YouTube too if you really wanted. But until then, this is another episode of Rage Against the Mainstream for the books. You can find us on our social medias: Instagram, Twitter. On Facebook at RATM Podcast, Facebook.com slash RATM Podcast. Our website at RATM Podcast.wixsite.com slash RATM Podcast. And if you feel so inclined, drop us a line, email us, RATM Podcast at gmail.com. 
But until then, this is Rage Against the Mainstream signing off for the evening. I'm Bill. I'm Steve. And leading us out here is the new single from Paul Bartholomew, Criminal, featuring Danny Warsnop from Masking Alexandria. Check it out now. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.